The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I was sound asleep when suddenly I woke up to a strange, sharp, hissing sound, like some kind of animal or snake had gotten into my room. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is my paranormal story. I'm back again with a brand new episode I hope you'll enjoy. But before I start, I must give out a few thank yous. First of all, thank you to you for visiting my website and checking out some of the merch that I have available. I don't ever charge subscriptions or do any of those Patreon, pay-for-stuff type things with my podcast. It's always free. So if you're a fan and would like to support me and the podcast, check out the t-shirts and mugs that I have for sale. You'll also find a link to my first book, The 10 Best Tools for Ghost Hunting. All of those things go a long way with helping me keep this podcast running. So the website is myparanormalstory.com. I also want to thank a few podcasters who recently had me on their shows. Thank you to Tom and Rye from the Lost Frequency podcast. We had a lot of laughs and went down a bunch of fun rabbit holes talking about... uh, All kinds of things paranormal, and some that aren't. I also want to thank Chris and Kristen from the Dark Horse Paranormal Podcast. They're both very knowledgeable in the paranormal and spiritual fields, and uh, they were a lot of fun to hang out with for a while. So please check out both of those podcasts wherever you get podcasts, you know, like Apple and Spotify. I also want to thank Ken DaCosta and George Lopez for inviting me to be a part of their special episode of Dead Air Full Spectrum. Many people I look up to in the paranormal field got to come on to their show and share some videos, insight, and talk about their feelings surrounding Cody and Satori, the paranormal couple. Ever since their appearance on the Sam and Colby Hell Week YouTube series, there's been a lot of controversy over their knocking method. I've mentioned them on my podcast a couple of times, and I was more than happy to show my support for them and defend them from the many negative and uncalled-for comments and videos that were popping up about them. Uh, They're good kids. I love them to death, and if you're interested in seeing more and hearing more, uh, check out Dead Air Full Spectrum on YouTube. It's definitely a, a good episode. Okay, now that I've gotten that out of the way... Here's my latest episode. I had only just graduated from high school four weeks ago, and I was already heading to college. I was barely 18, 
and leaving home for the first time, albeit not very far. I was anxious to go to college and a little bit scared. Most of my friends, those who were planning to go to college, were taking the summer off, but not me. I couldn't wait. I knew exactly what I wanted to do with my life. I'd known since I was a little kid. I wanted to work in TV and radio, and I was anxious to get started on my mass communications degree. My family didn't have a lot of money though, so there was no way I could attend some big fancy school far away. So I applied to schools locally, one less than an hour from my house called Rick, which is short for Rhode Island College. But I didn't just choose it because it was affordable. I had also heard from friends that it had a decent radio and television program there. Plus, it had a small on-campus radio station that I was hoping I'd be able to work at. The college was offering a couple of summer courses for newly enrolled students who wanted to get a head start on their credits, and I was raring to go. I signed up for three classes and was ready to take the next step towards a broadcasting career. Another option, along with the summer classes, was an opportunity to live on campus in the dorm rooms for two weeks for a very discounted price, as sort of a trial period to try and convince us commuting students that living on campus is better. I knew there was no way my family would be able to afford the housing for full semesters, but I figured for these two weeks, it might be fun. As most of my friends were enjoying their summer vacations at the beach, I was moving into my new temporary dorm room. There turned out to be a bunch of us, 50 to be exact, moving in for two weeks. And it all started with a short seminar slash welcoming party in the student cafeteria, where school officials explained to us how it would all work. They gave us a quick tour and some instructions, and then they assigned us to our rooms. We were all going to be staying in the newly built dorm building, which was much nicer than the older ones. Each of the three floors of this new building had 16 bedrooms, eight on each side with a common area filled with brand new couches and tables and chairs and even TVs, plus huge community bathrooms and kitchens on each floor. It was all brand spanking new we'd be the first ones to live in them. But there were only 48 rooms, so two of us were going to have to stay in one of the old dorm buildings next door. And naturally, I ended up being one of those two. So instead of living on a floor with 15 roommates in a building, I ended up with one roommate in a practically empty building. Just me and one other guy on the third floor in Suite F. I mean, we still had everything we needed, a bathroom, a kitchen, we each had our own bedroom. We actually had our pick of the bedrooms, but they were all basically the same. Small concrete cells, basically one step up from a prison, I imagined. Everything worked, it was just older. The sinks and showers were old, the walls and ceilings were drab, 
The lighting was dim. The furniture was worn out. Even the wall over my bed had a huge crack in it, like the building had survived an earthquake. Everything in our suite looked and felt lived in. But I was prepared to make the best of it. It was only going to be for two weeks. I didn't bother bringing any decorations for my short stay, just the necessities. Clothes, linens, towels, and a small combo TV with a VCR built in for my room. And I also had a small stash of snacks and soda. My roommate Paul, he chose the bedroom across from mine. Something about liking the view. We chatted a little bit, but we were both mostly focused on unpacking and getting comfortable. It was Saturday. Classes wouldn't be starting until Monday. So I spent those couple of days figuring out what it is college kids do on the weekends. They had a little mixer that night in the student union with a DJ, snacks, and lots of stuff for the newbies. I hung out for a while, met some people, even recognized a few. Friends of friends, basically. But after that, I headed back to my dorm and watched TV in my room and until I fell asleep. By Sunday, I was already kind of feeling homesick. I walked around the campus a little. I discovered the coffee bar and the video arcade. Killed a lot of time in there. And then on Monday, I heard Paul moving his stuff out of his room. Apparently, one of the students in the nice dorm building never showed up. He wouldn't be coming. And that room was now available. Paul got wind of this and immediately made arrangements with the school to make the switch. So now I really was the outcast. The only one living alone in sweet F. That first day, that afternoon, I met up with a friend, Bill. He was a couple of years older than me, already a junior at the college. And he worked at the school newspaper. And he was on campus a few times a week, even during the summer, you know, working on things and getting stuff done ready for the next semester. When I told him I hadn't gotten around to visiting the campus radio station yet, he knew it was because I was being shy, you know, the introvert that I am. So he practically dragged me down the hall to the radio station offices, and he introduced me to everyone. He knew it was what I was there to do, and I'm so glad he did it. I probably would have procrastinated for weeks. But they welcomed me with open arms. And before I knew it, in between classes, I was learning how to work the studio, run the board, and they even let me DJ a few shifts later that week. I mean, I was terrible, but it was my first time ever being on the radio. It was a real big deal for me, despite it only being an on-campus radio station and hardly anyone listening. I remember going back to my dorm building that night. I walked up the concrete stairs to my suite. I was actually excited about being a part of the radio station and was starting to feel like a real college student. I went into my room, laid down on the bed, and was just watching TV when I noticed something in the corner of the room. One of the ceiling panels was off kilter. All I could think of was an animal might be able to get into my room or something. 
you know, like a squirrel or a bat or something. And that kind of creeped me out a little. So I dragged a chair over and stood on top of it and reached up over my head and adjusted the panel so that it was sitting in the frame again. Not long after that, I found myself falling into sleep. I turned off the TV and just rolled over. I left my bedroom door open though, so I wouldn't feel too claustrophobic. And the red glow from the exit sign in the main room acted like a nightlight. It had a soft hypnotic hum to it too, which I actually think helped me fall asleep better. I was sleeping soundly for a few hours when suddenly I was woken up by a strange sound. It was a sharp hissing sound, like a snake or a possum. I sat up in a panic thinking something did get into my room. And as I looked around through the red tinted light, I heard a second hissing, and then a third and a fourth. What is that noise, I thought. I tried to keep my feet off of the floor. Then finally, as I got my wits about me, I realized the hissing was coming from the six-pack of soda I put on my desk. The air in the bottles were, was leaking out as if someone had shaken them all and then slowly loosened the caps. Before I knew it, soda was spilling out all over the place, so I quickly grabbed the six-pack and ran over to the sink and spent the next 15 minutes half asleep or half awake wiping up a trail of Pepsi behind me. Up at the radio station, I met another DJ named Steven. He was the music director at the time. He'd been at the school for like five or six years now. I'm not sure why. I guess he wasn't as anxious as me to get into the real world. But we were talking about this and that. I mentioned how I was the only one stuck living alone in the old dorm building. And he told me he was surprised that they were letting me stay there. I guess a semester ago, a student had committed suicide in the building, right there on the same floor I was staying in. And that none of the students wanted to stay there, so it had been closed off for close to six months. I think he could see the horror on my face and then tried to change the subject. But for some reason, I kept pressing him for more details. He said he didn't know the student. He was sort of a loner, didn't have many friends. And then one day, someone found him in his room. Apparently, he had pushed one of the ceiling tiles aside and hung himself from a pipe in the ceiling. I was in complete shock. I couldn't stop thinking about it as I was slowly walking back to my room that night. Was he being serious? Or was this some sort of hazing? You know, a joke being played on the new kid? I walked up the dark cement stairs to Suite F and turned on all the lights as I walked in. It was quiet, like usual, except for the hum of the exit sign. I went into my room to watch TV. I couldn't help but look up at that ceiling tile. And once again, it was out of place. I had just fixed it the night before. After hearing the story Stephen told me, I was afraid to go up there and touch it again but I knew I wouldn't be able to sleep if I didn't fix it. 
so I dragged the chair over again. I was about to climb up when suddenly a phone started ringing. It startled me so much I almost fell off the chair. I ran out into the main room looking around. I hadn't even noticed that there was a phone there. I quickly went over to answer it, but there was only a dial tone. I hung it up and the ringing started again. It wasn't coming from this phone. It was coming from the other side of the suite. So I walked through the kitchen and found another phone. I answered it, hello? Hello? But no one was there. There was no dial tone, no voices, just a strange static sound. After a minute or two, I hung up the phone and headed back to my room. As I was walking through the kitchen, I noticed a broom in the corner. So I grabbed it, brought it with me. This time, instead of standing on the chair, I decided to use the broom handle to move the ceiling tile back into place. I poked and pushed the thin tile, trying to get it back into the frame, but I must have pushed it too hard, and it sounded like something fell down onto the tile. I had no idea what it could be, but I had to know. So I mustered up the courage to climb back up on that chair, and I reached into the ceiling and felt around. Suddenly my hand felt something square and plastic. I pulled it down and saw that it was a VCR tape. There were no titles or stickers on it. It was just a blank tape that you would record something on at home. What would a videotape be doing in the ceiling? I put it down on the desk and sat on my bed, debating whether I should watch it or not. I mean, it was probably just some porn movie or something, right? Some past student's secret stash that got left behind. But what if it wasn't? What if it was something else? Finally, I decided I'm going to watch it. And just as I put the tape into the slot, the phone started ringing again. I sprinted out of the room towards the other side of the suite. But I stopped in my tracks. It was the phone on my side ringing this time. I stood in front of it and let it ring one or two more times. And then I answered it. Hello? Hello? Nothing but static again. But as I was about to hang up, I heard a voice. Hello? I said again. And I could hear soft breathing inside the static. Then a rough voice replied, Is Mark there? I paused for a second. Mark? No, there's no Mark here. And then quickly, they hung up. So I hung up the phone and unplugged it from the wall. And I went around to the other side and did the same to that one. That was enough wrong numbers for me that night. I headed back to my room and pressed play on the VCR. I could hear the mechanical wheels start turning as the tape began to play. It was all fuzzy at first, as if someone had taped over something else. 
Then suddenly the recording came into focus. It looked like a couple of kids making a snowman in the winter. Some sort of home movie. There was no sound and the camera was shaky. The kids were in their snowsuits with hats and mittens and looked like one was a little older than the other. And then the mom came out in her house coat and one of the kids threw a snowball at her and they were all laughing and goofing around. I'm guessing it was the dad holding the camera enjoying every minute of it. It was the kind of thing that would make anyone feel homesick. All of a sudden, the tape started getting blurry and staticky again. It almost looked like it was melting. I was about to press stop and fix it when suddenly the picture came back on again. It wasn't the wholesome family in the snow anymore. This time it was a young man sitting on a bed. I turned up the volume so I could hear him, but he wasn't saying anything. He was just sitting there staring at the floor. As I looked closer, I could see something strange behind him. There was a crack on the wall. I turned around and looked. It was the same crack on my wall. This tape was filmed in the room I was in. Suddenly, he started to speak. I turned back to the screen as he looked up at the camera and softly said, I'm sorry. Then he stood up, walked towards the camera, and the screen went blank. My Paranormal Story is written, produced, and narrated by me, Tom Stewart. Music from this episode, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incomptech.com. If you enjoy my stories and would like to support the podcast, visit my website at MyParanormalStory.com. I have t-shirts and coffee mugs for sale, and I even wrote a book. Unfortunately, podcasts cost money, and your support helps me keep the podcast running. You can also find my book, The 10 Best Tools for Ghost Hunting, on Audible, Kindle, or Amazon.com. If you've ever wanted to learn more about the gadgets used in paranormal investigation, this is the book for you. Please help my podcast grow by sharing your favorite episodes with your friends on social media. And give me a positive rating wherever it is you listen. Feel free to follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for My Paranormal Story. And if you have a podcast and would like to have me as a guest, or if you'd like to ask me a question or tell me your paranormal story, you can email me at myparanormalstorypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is My Paranormal Story. <laughs>